0: I'm Shannon, and I'm Mark, and this is Dirt Sailor Podcasting. Welcome back.
1: Welcome back. It's nice to be back in the studio and not doing this remote.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Missed you here in person.
1: Yes. Missed myself here in person, too. Well, let's start off by giving a shout out to a uh, person in Las Vegas that's now listening to our podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate you jumping on board.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: Yes, and I'd actually like to talk about something she brought to my attention. It was about the governor of Nevada. Apparently around the 21st of October he was in an auto accident where he was deemed at fault. And there was rumor that possibly he was drinking and that one of his uh, security guards and another passenger in the car removed some items before the police showed up to tend to the accident. Well, I did a little bit of research myself this morning, and I could not find a video to attest to that. The police department there in Vegas has said that um, he was not impaired, nor was the driver he hit. Both drivers were ticketed. He made a mistake by moving out of his lane forward a little bit so he could see. It was a yellow caution, and he in turn went when the other driver had the right-of-way.
0: Okay, well, if anyone out there has a video of that, we'd be happy if you would link it in a comment. Go to our Facebook page, Dirt Sailor Podcast. Go to our Instagram page, again, Dirt Sailor Podcast, and submit. You can either do it in a DM or post it, submit it in a link. We would be happy to share that with everyone.
1: Absolutely. And what would you like to talk about today?
0: So, I know... As of last week, you said that you were not going to give this man space, but I would like to bring up something that I, I did learn about with Dr. Fauci. It turns out that he his claim is he did not lie when he told Congress um, that there was no gain of function. And the reason he did not lie to Congress that, about the gain of function uh, studies done in China is that they changed the definition of gain of function and now he doesn't meet or that study doesn't meet the qualification to be gain of function because they changed the definition.
1: Well you can call it whatever you'd like, however I am going to talk about it for a minute myself because I've been thinking about this for the last four days. It doesn't matter what you call the research. If you manipulate nature to infect humans And the potential for it to be a civilization-ending bug is some scary stuff. And it doesn't matter who did it, he just happens to be party to it. And like I say every week when we do talk about it, him and the others need to be held accountable for it.
0: So another interesting point of note that I've also learned about within the last week, which is why I bring it up now, and I haven't brought it up before, it turns out that not only were they doing gain-of-function research, but Dr. Fauci's division was responsible for research on animals that required the removal of the dog's vocal cords. And then the dogs were being attacked by, I believe they were sand fleas, and they didn't want to hear the dogs whimper and whine, so they removed their vocal cords. And there is a call for an investigation into him for that. and. For you know, whoever was doing the actual research. But we seem to have more of a call for action and a call for investigation because he hurt dogs, not because he killed millions of people.
1: Right, and that's just the known. What's the unknown? This man's been in this line of work for at least 35 years. So there's no telling what kind of research they've been doing that we will probably never know about because I guarantee you they're trying to hide this as we speak.
0: Yeah, so I I just thought that it was quite interesting that we seem to put more value on dogs than we did all the human lives lost. And the reason why I say it's human lives lost is because they have been doing research and manipulating a natural virus to make it something else. So that is why I say he's responsible. And so are the scientists that were conducting all of this research
1: absolutely and it is interesting that it's going to be the dogs and the monkeys that are going to end up being his downfall i hope however we as americans and other people around the world but especially us as americans we love our dogs where can you go to a pet store that's as big as a grocery store and buy any brand and flavor of food you want any type of dog treat any type of training aid there's multiple things you can get for your animals we love our dogs
0: We absolutely do love our dogs, don't we?
1: Yes, we do.
0: So, over the course of this last year and a half, almost two years now that we've actually known about the virus existing, and I say two years that we've known, is because even though it originated in our media December of 2019, Taiwan was calling it out much, much sooner. And so they have actually found cases that were inside the United States that uh, were in January prior to the first known deaths and infections. It was already here in the United States. So we were fed information from the World Health Organization. We were fed information from the CDC. We had lines of questioning shut down by Facebook, Instagram, all of those organization, social media, we weren't even allowed to talk about it. And then after a year, year and a half, it turns out, oh, we can talk about origins. We can talk about side effects. We can talk about effects of having COVID. So it leads me to question, how much trust do you have in your government?
1: Myself, about less than 10%. I only trust the U.S. military, at least the enlisted and junior officer side, because I was an enlisted guy. I know how them guys work. I love them guys. I would give my life up for them. But as far as the federal government goes with elected officials, I have basically zero faith in them.
0: Well, now the CDC wants to educate you, us, into compliance of getting the vaccination, regardless of your having had COVID, not having COVID, whatever your religious you know beliefs are if you have a scientific objection religious objection maybe you medically cannot take it or your doctor said you medically you should not take this the CDC wants to re-educate you to get you to take it they believe that you don't have enough education and that is why you're not complying
1: and that's interesting because I just watched a YouTube video this morning before I went to work and it was a young lady that was an ESPN reporter And she was terminated because she refused to take the vaccine, not because she's an anti-vaxxer, because she actually did what you do here in America, which is consult with your doctor. Her and her husband would like to have a second child. And because the research is inconclusive, they decided that it was in her best interest to not take it.
0: Well, one of the 17 FDA panel members that just recommended for children ages five to 11 to get it, said we have to approve this and get it out to the children. And I'm paraphrasing here, this is not an exact quote. We have to approve this and get it out to the children so that way we can see what the real side effects are.
1: Right, See, they're willing to play the percentages because if your kid dies, it snows sweat off of their skin.
0: Right, and they're projecting, I did look into some of the numbers and they say, without a vaccination, it is expected that during a season, approximately 67 children are likely to get COVID and die, 67 out of millions. And that's just in the United States. The vaccination is expected to impact negatively and people to have a bad outcome, which is death, 57 children. So we are injecting millions with unknown side effects. The numbers I'm quoting are just the expected death. That's not the expected true side effects if you have long-lasting side effects. So 57 children will still die, and it's unclear if it's the same expectation on children who would have been a part of the 67 that didn't get vaccinated that died, and then 57 that get vaccinated and die from the vaccine. So we're talking about the difference of 10 children, but possibly up to 57 different children from those original 67 that would die just from the disease itself. So we're picking and choosing children to die. I I don't want anyone to die. I don't want my children to die. I don't want anyone's children to die. Don't take it that way. Like it's a good risk. I think the risk is worthy, but we're talking about almost the same amount of children with or without the vaccine.
1: And that's what the ESPN reporter was talking about. It was not about the vaccine affecting her because she's a very young, healthy woman. She's physically fit. Um, She takes vitamins and, and she's good to go. However, what she's worried about is the fetus and what the long-term effects are of the baby what happens if the baby's born and then five years down the road they find out that something in the vaccine causes down syndrome or you know other problems respiratory issues heart issues or other things with the baby
0: right we have a lot of unknowns and i am out of my baby having stage but while i was pregnant with both of my girls the doctors were adamant in telling me not to eat lunch meat because it can affect, you know, how I am, how my baby is going into labor, not to eat unpasteurized cheese. I mean, we're talking about food that we see every day or every week at the grocery store or in our, our fridge. The doctors are telling me not to eat lunch meat, but sure, inject yourself with something that you know nothing about.
1: What's well, like they're chasing their tail. It's a vaccine, but it's not a true vaccine. I've been watching videos of uh, doctors over in Europe talking about the efficacy and how one of the shots after six months is only 4% effective. The other one that's two rounds is 50% effective after six months. And then the third is 52 to 55%. So I would like them to actually be 100% effective so I don't have to get popped with this needle every six months with a booster 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 booster
0: yeah I agree and if we're constantly doing boosters are we really doing ourselves a favor I mean are what are we doing to our body if we continually have to inject ourselves with something in order to be what the government is titling is safe which I don't feel very safe with the number of people who are actually getting the boosters or just getting vaccinated followed by getting the boosters of course and then they get COVID, and then they've been passing it to other people. Whether vaccinated or not, they have been seen to be carriers and spreaders.
1: Absolutely, and I just met some folks at work giving me some bids that um, all three were vaccinated. The husband, the wife, and their doctor. The doctor ended up testing positive. He got his patient sick. She was positive. Three days later... The doctor died of COVID.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns in this. And when you start to question it or start to look into it, one, I've been told I'm not a scientist, just shut up and take it. Do it because your doctor told you to. Uh, Do it because the, insert whoever, CDC, the FDA, a Medical Association, do the right part for your neighbors, whatever we're being sold, I've been told to do this thing. We don't know all of the answers, but sure, it can't hurt except if you die, then, or, you know, if you get side effects, maybe it can hurt then. but for most people, you'll be fine, and we're okay with that. I have had a personal medical situation get botched. I had a botched surgery when I was in the Navy, so I I get a surgery. I have a bad outcome. I end up getting processed out of the Navy uh, for medical conditions. I've been working for the last It took me about 14 years to finally work with the VA and get my medical conditions fully acknowledged because they had partially acknowledged them upon my separation, but one of the things that happened is I had a surgery on my ears and I was told that it was to get some fluid behind my ears, you know, out and I would be fine, get the surgery and I almost instantaneously lose most of my hearing. And it turned out I did not have any fluid behind my ears, so the surgery wasn't gonna work. And I fought with the VA because when I filed my documentation, I said, here's my surgery. When I was in the Navy, here was the outcome. And they said, oh, well, you were gonna lose your hearing anyway, so it's not service connected. These are the same government officials that will decide everything else as we go to. So, I don't really have a lot of trust and faith in the people who are supposed to take care of us because I gotta, oh, we've not seen that before. Hmm, that sucks. Bye!
1: That's why they call it practicing medicine and not perfected medicine. It's also why they call it practicing vaccinations, not a perfected vaccination.
0: Yeah, and I've taken other vaccines. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I do believe that if you want to take it, take it. You've done your research. You've talked to your doctor go ahead and take it, I am okay with that. For me, me personally, having had bad outcomes, having watched my children have reactions to vaccines, and I'm not talking about, oh, they had a minor fever. I mean the, this rarely happens, but can happen reaction. I'm not exactly jumping forward to sacrifice my child to hope that, hey, this is gonna work and they're gonna be okay.
1: And that was an interesting read yesterday talking about side effects of vaccines. So I watched a report from a news outlet in Phoenix, Arizona. They were talking about almost 11,000 folks around the nation that are now suffering from—I always called it tinnitus. I guess it is tinnitus. Tinnitus. And ex- oh, by
0: the way, that was one of the bad outcomes in my surgery. I now have that.
1: Yeah, and they were saying it. No, it's it's impossible for that to be a side effect. Well, we don't know. It's an unknown because we've only been injecting people for a year. So, if somebody takes a vaccine and three days later their ears are buzzing like crazy, I would tend to lean towards the vaccine has something to do with it.
0: And they've never had that before.
1: Right, and one of the doctors who had the vaccine but doesn't believe that it's possible three days later had the same exact issue.
0: Well, one of the other things that we've seen was that women, after getting the vaccine, started complaining about changes to their time of the month and they would bring it up to their doctors the doctor may or may not input it into the bear's uh, system and so we had women who were reporting it and then doctors just dismissing it another woman would report it and so they finally said okay you know what maybe we should look into this the whole time they were saying it doctors were coming out saying it's not possible the two things aren't connected there's no way but here we are. Maybe we might look into it. We'll we'll put it in a study. Possibly it could be happening, but oh no, we just dismiss women and say those two systems aren't connected.
1: Well, it's honesty. You know, if it's a side effect of the vaccine, then they need to research it and they need to come out and say, "Well, we need to add two more items on there. One is your menstrual cycle could get all messed up, and the other one is the fact that your ears might start buzzing for a week or two, but you're still safe and protected."
0: Right, and and I've had to take medication for my ailments, and they'll come out and say, These are the side effects. These are the lesser, you know, inclusive side effects. And some people have reported this, but we can't definitively say it's because of the medication. So why don't we have that instead of just outright dismissing people? And this is medication that's been around for a while. So they have the more likely to happen, less likely to happen, and we can't connect it, but we want to tell you about it anyway.
1: When I ended up getting COVID, I ended up doing the monoclonal antibodies, and I wish they would have put on the side effect paperwork. One of the side effects could be that it actually works. It helps. That way, Mr. President Biden and others in the federal government would stop trying to hide this treatment from other states.
0: Right, they tried to take it off. They said, oh, we're going to regulate it federally and the states can get whatever we decide to get to them. Speaking of which, my health insurance did that to me too, except they did it by just not talking about it. So I sent a message. I also had COVID. So I sent a message to my doctor inquiring about it and seeing what I would have to do if I did get worse. I wanted to know what my options were. So I put it in a contact your doctor email. Sent it, the response back, responded to everything else except do you do monoclonal antibodies and how do I get it? They completely ignored it. So I actually sent a second message saying, you know, I would like to know about this. They did not, my doctor did not respond, but I did end up going and getting the COVID test just to make sure it was on record. Um, So that way I could say, hey, I did test positive. It wasn't uh, at home positive. It was uh, through my medical provider positive, just to make sure I was set up and had all my bases covered in case I needed to get it. And as soon as my positive test came back, she had not answered my request for the monoclonal, that was a second request, for information, not to get it, but just for the information, the how-to. And then she completely ignored that, and then the response that I got back was, you're positive, check for worsening symptoms, call 911 or go to the ER if necessary. But it didn't say what base symptoms were and what worse would mean in that regard. I understand, you know, you're having trouble breathing and stuff like that. But it just said, if you have worse symptoms, go to the hospital or call 911. And and no explainer. And they still ignored my request for information on the treatment.
1: It's kind of like the ivermectin. I guess a lot of uh, hospitals will not give you a prescription for ivermectin and the pharmacies are blocked out by the federal government from being allowed to give it out when it's like a 10 cent drug and it actually works in some cases but you have to take it at a certain point or it does not work and i I, and i don't understand why there isn't value in all the medications instead of just the ones that these three companies are putting out
0: right and so we have i believe it was japan that has been prescribing it to their people they've been having better outcomes monoclonal antibodies you need to take before day 10 or else it's said not to to work if you've been sicker for more than sick for more than 10 days it has been said not to work so you have to get it in a specific time frame so why are we hiding these things why are we not allowing it and then the protocol that they've been giving people they doesn't seem that they've updated it doesn't seem that they're willing to have different drugs like the ivermectin, among others. Last year, when hydroxychloroquine was coming to the forefront, they started blocking doctors from being able to prescribe that, even for treatments that people were already taking that had nothing to do with COVID. They had a hard time. People started to have a hard time getting their usual drugs.
1: Well, most of those meds have zero to less side effects than the new vaccines do, so I don't know why we wouldn't try something off the shelf first, especially if it's a lot less expensive. It'll save the federal government hundreds of millions of dollars if they're buying all this medication for older patients. Florida, I just saw their governor yesterday, they use monoclonal antibodies, and they dropped their hospitalizations down by 90%.
0: They are the lowest in the country right now. Yes, yet they were made
1: fun of by news outlets in the federal government that he was a hick, a hillbilly, didn't know what the heck he was doing. Yet um, he proved them wrong, which you need to try different things before you stick to one.
0: And he set up urgent cares just for treatment. So it, it wasn't an urgent care to go to if you you know broke your foot or, or did anything like that. He set up urgent cares just so people could get the monoclonal antibodies. And other places weren't doing that. If you called your urgent care or you went into your urgent care, if you say, I have COVID, they will kick you out. Go to, go to the ER. That is your only opportunity. Well, me being a certain insurance provider. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say having Kaiser in Fresno and they won't give you monoclonal antibodies. The only choice I had was to go into the ER that I didn't have any other choices. I tried emailing and they weren't answering my specific questions. So my only choice was to go into the ER with covid And I don't know how they would have isolated me or how exactly what would have happened at the hospital. But that was my only option. And I wouldn't feel that I rose to the level of needing an ER. You never want to clog up the ER. You know, that's for very serious cases. So if you have serious COVID, okay, I can definitely see that. But they gave me no how-to, no option, nothing. Go to the ER if it gets worse was my only descriptor.
1: Yeah, which isn't right. And when I called my doctor to get a referral for the monoclonal treatment, um, he actually didn't know anything about it. So his RN and him did some research for 24 hours. And they called me back the next day and referred us to um, a local hospital to do the monoclonal antibodies. And by that time, we were actually feeling a little bit better. So when the hospital called me to set up the appointment, I basically told her I was feeling better. And if you were short of that, monoclonal antibody treatment I would rather have somebody else that's in far worse shape than me take it and I'll just take my wrist the last three or four days until I totally clear up from this thing she told me no we have plenty Um, you meet the criteria so please come in and do your treatment
0: I'm not sure that I would have actually been given a prescription for it well given that apparently Kaiser doesn't give it when I had a follow-up with a Kaiser, I I presume it was a nurse, but I could have missed the title. She might have been a doctor, called me to follow up. This was after I had already tested negative for COVID. She apologized for being late on the follow up, but they had, you know, so many patients or cases and she started asking questions. And so I just straight out asked her about it. Why wasn't I answered? What if I would have needed it? She said that the doctors can't even prescribe it that it's a different department altogether, like an infectious disease department or something, and you can't get a hold of them yourself. So then there's no way to get it. But that's the only real you know, information I got was when I was on the phone and following up. I am thankful that I did not have it worse. I know many people who have had COVID, they've had it much worse. I understand that it's serious, but it seems like we are hiding treatments I don't know why Kaiser would hide it, but it does seem, at least to the federal government, oh, those crazy hillbillies, as you pointed out, are doing this random thing. But guess what? Those drug companies that we're beholden to, they're making millions, if not billions off of the shots and off of the treatments that treat the symptoms when you go to the hospital for COVID. That if you're not giving monoclonal antibodies, if you're not giving ivermectin, They're making millions.
1: Yeah, I believe Ivermectin's about 10 cents a shot, something like that. So it's pretty inexpensive.
0: Yeah, and it seems like it should be something that we we would do. Why not? Why are we taking anything off the table? We talked about putting everything on the table. Well, apparently doing that is, ha ha, it's funny that we're gonna take away stuff from you because you're
1: dumb. Well, I will be so happy when this thing finally leaves and goes back to China so we can get on with our lives because I wore an N95 mask yesterday when I met with a couple vendors I would never met before. And darn, those things are hard to breathe through.
0: It is absolutely crazy just like how much you can be impacted by covering up your face. And with appropriate equipment too, N95, or if you're wearing a a surgical mask, I, I admire you, doctors, surgeons, all your staff, surgical techs, everybody who's gotta wear those, I admire you. You add, you know, heat reflecting off of uh, cement or the ground. You're walking through a parking lot. I know during the middle of summer when I would do my grocery shopping and I would come walking out with my mask on, I was huffing and puffing. It was so hot and I could barely breathe. I actually bought a oxygen checker, uh, Pulse Ox, and mine was going down to the 80s, like the high 80s, but into the 80s. Because it was just so huffing, puffing, couldn't couldn't get enough air through. So I admire anyone who routinely has to wear these masks. So thank you
1: for what you do. Absolutely. And, you know, that's the psychological component to this thing is this is really scaring a lot of people basically to death. Because some of them are committing suicide. They're so in fear of this that it just drives them into suicide.
0: It's taking over. It definitely is taking over people's mindsets. It's so unfortunate that we are handling it in the way that we are handling it.
1: Okay, so now can we move on to another subject and take this uh, COVID out of our headspace for a while?
0: Yes, I think we should absolutely take this out of our headspace.
1: I think you should carry me through the southern border. And what we heard from the Biden administration yesterday or from an article in the Wall Street Journal that has lit off a bunch of Republicans back in D.C. that we're going to pay potential people that broke the law $450,000 each, which, by the way, is $50,000 more than we give a U.S. service member when he's killed in combat.
0: The service member's family when he's killed in combat. Yes, the
1: service member's family.
0: Yes. So um, the DOJ is in current negotiations with attorneys that are representing parties to a lawsuit. It did the family separation policy is what they're objecting to and that they're suing for where families were separated at the border. And so they they filed class action lawsuits, and right now we're looking at a negotiation that apparently the number that's being thrown out there is $450,000 per separated person. So that is both parties to the separation. So if it's a parent and a child, each would be $450,000, so that's $900,000 that they're looking at. And let's be clear. On who we're talking about, because people say why were you separating asylum seekers? Why were you separating young children that still, you know, breastfeed or whatever the case was? What they do at the border is they look at the whole picture. Who crosses the border? So we're just going to say mother and child. We're going to say a child is someone 17 years and younger. So mother and child cross the border. The mother has crossed the border illegally before, has been caught before, has a record as an example of having been caught. I don't mean has a a true criminal record, but has a true immigration record of having already been removed. Maybe they already went through this asylum process and got denied and returned to their home country. Now it's been a little bit of time. They grab their child and they cross the border again. They get caught. Mother is not entitled to the same processes that she already went through and can get expedited removal. But the child, having never been, you know, having never crossed before, is entitled to due process and we allow the child to go through the same proceedings that mom went through the first time. The child is entitled to this so they get separated. The mother faces expedited removal. And the child is allowed to go through the process, so they'll typically be placed with a family member where possible if they're already in the United States, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, sometimes even a friend, or they'll go through kind of like the foster care type of system. Health and Human Services will place them. So you have this placement, and the child gets to have their court dates and gets to go through the process. So that is typically why they're separated. Not everyone is separated. And sometimes they're separated because they have no proof that that was their child. And we see human traffickers use this. They will snatch up a young child so that way they can cross the border with them and they would be more than likely to be allowed in.
1: And I was wondering that exactly how many human traffickers use that as a vessel to get these young kids across the line.
0: So sometimes it's not to get the kid across, it's to get themselves across? So they actually end up human trafficking because it's not their kid and they're bringing a kid in and then they don't typically care necessarily what happens to that kid once they're in. It could be that they were getting money for them so then they drop them off somewhere. It could be that they just borrowed them and we've seen cases where they just kick the children, like not literally kick the children, but they quit taking the children. The, the border patrol's coming, they're about to get caught. They don't care about the child. They just want to get away, so the child gets left behind. We've seen cases of children dropped over fences.
1: Well, so they bail and just leave the kid.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. They bail and leave the kid because it's not actually their kid. So there, there is a variety of reasons why they might be separated. And I have had people I know who helped to catch uh, human traffickers in child sex trafficking as well. So they were able to figure out through processes that the child was not this person's and that they were actually intending on sex trafficking the child. So there's a variety of reasons why they would get separated. I understand it sounds inhumane, but everybody's entitled to go through the process. You can ask to stop. You can ask to be returned. But a child, of course, maybe at two years old, three years old, wouldn't know how to say that's it. I want to go home. I don't, you know. I don't want to go through the immigration process.
1: Well, then they need to look at the whole process and understand that people are telling half-truths and that they're not telling a full story. Because I believe that was part of the policy that uh, Mr. Trump put in place, which was hold them in Mexico so you don't have this issue.
0: Right. The Remain in Mexico policy allowed them to go through the process while remaining together, but it was also considered inhumane because the conditions in Mexico weren't the best.
1: Well, our borders are so porous and open right now with Biden's new open border policy that even a lot of Democrats are not happy. And there happens to be a Democrat who is from Texas, and he's telling Mr. Biden that he needs to quit listening to uh, political appointees and activists, and he actually needs to go to the border and talk to the people that are actually doing the enforcement and get their opinions because they are being overrun and they need help.
0: Right. We, we tend to go to the political side on both sides. We tend to make it sway all the way right or all the way left. A lot of times the answer is somewhere in the middle. So both sides need to be diligent and responsible for what they're putting forth.
1: So then maybe instead of letting the government create the problem and then they're the fix, why don't we let the people that live on the border states on both sides talk to each other and decide what's in the best interest of their communities on both sides of the fence. And then we look at what the federal laws and statutes are, and then we come to a cumulative agreement, and we fix it together, not just letting people that are doing this uh, strictly for political gain and votes make the decisions all the time.
0: That is absolutely something that we do need to have. We need to have the people who are affected by it. And be able to put in their their input, put in what they see, put in how they've seen it change throughout the years. And if fences are so bad and walls are that terrible, why is it we are now spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to put up a wall around Biden's beach house?
1: Yeah, we're paying for it out of our own pocket, correct.
0: And I understand keeping the president safe. I understand they did the same thing with Trump. They did the same thing with Obama. I, I get that. But if walls don't work, why are they putting one up?
1: Absolutely. And if they would make right decisions, they wouldn't have to live in fear. I know there's crazies out there that want to kill anybody. But if they would make the right decisions, things like this wouldn't have to happen.
0: Well, there are crazies that do want to kill people for instance the I don't want to say his name because it just gives it more clout the person who shot and attempted to kill Reagan I know it is I just don't want to say his name because he's now getting released so yeah if you try to kill the president maybe that should be the person that isn't entitled to get out ever
1: shoot a dog you'll get the death penalty
0: yeah don't don't hurt dogs
1: So it's almost November, election time again here in America. So let's go to former Governor Terry McAuliffe. Been watching videos of where he's going and speaking, and they've been very, very small crowds. So I can't wait to see on election day how that vote turns out.
0: Well, that's kind of funny because they're saying they're running about evenly split right now.
1: Yeah, I saw a 55-45 number, the Republican over him.
0: Okay, the last one I saw it was a little bit closer than that, so maybe that was a little bit older poll. Because I do know that everybody and their uncle is out stumping for him now just to try and get that flip flop.
1: And his policies of the past were bad for Virginia, so hopefully the voters there are awake and they're not going to put this guy in office again.
0: Yeah, well, he doesn't think parents are entitled to any opinion on their child's education. Well, you're
1: not. This is a police state. It's the government's responsibility to raise your kids. What's wrong with you?
0: So why do I have to feed them?
1: You shouldn't. You should ask for free money, a free stipend to feed them.
0: I don't even know if I should house them because I might not house them in the correct way. I don't know if I'm feeding them right. What if I don't tuck them in well at night? What if the toothpaste I buy is bad for them? Maybe as soon as we have our kids, they should all be turned over to the state.
1: You know, that'll segue us right into the perfect next topic. Which is the city of Fresno's ban on smoking in apartments. So renters in multi unit complexes are no longer allowed to smoke in the apartment that they're paying rent on. I wonder if that's applicable to people that smoke weed as well or marijuana.
0: That's a good question. I am going to have to look into it. I didn't realize that Fresno had signed that, had passed that. October 14th. Okay, I did miss that one that Fresno had passed that. I will say, as a person who is allergic to smoke, in multi-unit apartments or complexes, typically the ducting can be connected to each other in some older complexes. Or if you're on your patio, it goes, you know, up to the next unit if they have their window open, depending on how the wind is blowing. So secondhand smoke is a known cancer causer. So is it really fair that you can smoke and cause me cancer? Because I, it's my home. I'm sleeping there.
1: Well, and I understand that, and I'm no longer a smoker. Haven't smoked in like 25 years or so. Um, however, it, I call it an intrusion on rights because what if you're living next door to an Indian family and they cook Indian food and it's really spicy. Some of it smells a little bit, so you don't like that. You turn them into the city and then the city says, okay, now we're going to pass an ordinance that says no t- no certain foods of certain types. So where does it stop?
0: That's actually an interesting question. So for someone who doesn't smell the spices routinely, uh, someone else's normal cooking, I know I don't cook, so... Nobody has to worry about that near me. Um, but in looking at certain types of spices and how fragrances can impact people differently, that is a good good question. What if you're, whatever you're cooking, I'm allergic to? What if you're cooking peanuts and the peanut dust flies up or it gets into the air and I'm allergic to that? that I mean, that's a good... Well,
1: see, that's why the real fix is HEPA filters on the HVAC systems. So you can police that air, clean it up, and inject it back into the apartments in a clean form. Don't go into somebody's apartment and tell them they can't use um, hickory wood for their spices, or they can't smoke their weed. Just saying.
0: That's a really interesting take. It
1: it reminds me of, I can't remember if it was the 80s or 90s, but uh, down in Los Angeles they were trying to ban outdoor barbecues and charcoal briquettes and lighter fluid. And it just so happened at that time, I was working for an airline way back then too, I was down at the LAX airport working on some ground equipment and I was watching airplane after airplane after airplane take off in like 20 second intervals and looking at all the unburned raw fuel coming out of the rear end of these engines thinking, here we're trying to ban a few thousand barbecues, yet millions of pounds of CO2 is burning out the back of those airplanes, or coming out of the back of them.
0: So what's interesting about that is we now have several governors who are going to a green energy conference. Is that what you would call it, a green energy conference? Yes,
1: it's the Glasgow-Scotland event for climate change.
0: So apparently there's at least six governors and countless staff who will be going in airplanes to get there I don't think they're, they're rowing across the, the ocean themselves, so they're going to take these jets, instead of doing a Zoom meeting or FaceTiming or you know pick any number of other services that you can do that will allow you to be face-to-face by video, instead, they're jetting off to talk about green space and how much green environment we need.
1: Well, that's the arrogance and the idiocy of these people. So the conference is October 31st through November 12th. Several countries will go talk about climate change and climate action and how they can basically steal more money from the United States of America. Because even though we're one of the lowest producers of our carbon footprint, I think we're at like 13% of the the world's pollution, China's far worse than us. There's approximately going to be 23,000 people at this conference. So I was doing a little math in my head, and I don't know where they're all coming from. Several countries, but even if you use 200-seat aircraft and you load these people up, that's going to be about 115 airplanes. However, people like John Kerry fly on their own Gulfstream private jets. So then I would say that number is probably going to go up to a couple hundred or more. I would love to do an aerial shot at the airport where they land when everybody's there. And the interesting thing is, too, there is a global pandemic going on right now, like you said, and why can't they do a Zoom call? Why don't they do it from our home ports or our home bases? We can't go to the grocery store without masking up and staying six feet away from people. You mean to tell me every human there at that event is going to be masked up and they're going to be six feet away from each other? I don't think that that Scotland event campus is large enough to house 23 people and have six feet of spacing.
0: 23,000 people are not going to be are not going to be staying six feet apart. And in fact, I almost guaranteed there are going to be photo ops. And for the photo ops, they all take the mask off and then take their picture. So they are going to be within six feet of each other. They could try to spread out as much as they want. But like you said, the campus can only take so many spread out, especially when they're inviting 23,000 people there. And they're going to talk about how we can tax ourselves into oblivion so we can fix green problems.
1: Absolutely. And by the way, airplanes are one of the largest polluters.
0: And how many, like you said, are they going to yeah. take hundreds, well, if especially thousands, maybe they, depending on how high up they are, they might all each have their own special airplane.
1: Well, especially international flights. International flights account for 61% of passenger transport CO2. Just and, saying.
0: And there they go, internationally traveling. Yes. So another thing that they're going to do that's probably going to arise out of this is they're going to tell the United States, among other nations, that they need to help other countries get greener and and to help our environment be better and cut down all of our negative negative things that we do that contribute to greenhouse gases and, and just all of this negative environmental impact. Guaranteed, it's going to be raising taxes. That's been a popular topic these last couple of weeks, uh, tax the rich, eat the rich. Uh, Don't worry, it's only gonna be taxing 700 families or filers of income taxes. If you have a billion dollars or more, we're gonna have a wealth tax. If you, don't worry, it's just billionaires. Don't worry, it's just billionaires. I don't know about you, but I've been hearing about how taxes will fix all of our problems. So the, the current bill that they have to help with the infrastructure is 1.75 trillion dollars and they said don't worry it's already paid for because we are planning all of these taxes and then they listed out all the taxes that they were going to get out of billionaires which were uh, if you had a billion dollars or more a year you're going to get charged whatever tax they decide to charge you but then there was a caveat oh but if you have a hundred million dollars a year for three years then we're going to start charging you, too. So it wasn't just the billionaires. Now we're down to millionaires. And then it was, oh, $600 transactions or more. We're going to have to start looking at you. So that's just about every household with a bank account is roughly at that.
1: Well, two things. The billionaires are already figuring out how to move their money around and not be billionaires. That way they can't be taxed at the billionaire rate. And you're correct. Taxes will fix things if you tax in moderation, And you have adults that are actually responsible and they will spend that tax money appropriately and for the projects that they were assigned to.
0: Well, that's a good point that taxes, I know some people say never tax, but taxes for some people come from a good place. They want to do, you know, they want you to have nice roads. They want you to have certain environmental laws that keep everything nice, and we might need a little bit of taxes so that way we can have somebody who follows up to make sure companies aren't polluting the waterways near them or companies aren't polluting the ground so you pay a little bit of taxes so you can have the compliance. It starts from a good place. But then we end up in this place where it's like, let's try this special program, let's try that special program, let's take the road tax money and, See if we can make a railway out of it. Oh, well, we didn't get enough of the rail system together so we gotta take more of the road tax money and put it towards the rail system. Oh, well, we still haven't gotten the rail system built. We're, We're doing lots of studies upon studies upon studies of if we can build it. It's been 15 years. We have no working railway. Our roads are still going down because they've taken all of the road tax money and put it to the train to nowhere. So it can start from a good place it can start with a good idea, but then we end up where it's misspent by our representatives.
1: It's like a big Ponzi scheme. You know, one thing I see, like the house you and your husband lived in down south with HOAs, HOA communities are beautiful. So maybe we should just turn the state of California into a big HOA and let somebody that's used to run an HOA's run it, and it'd probably look really good.
0: Well, they might. I will have to say, though, I did get... Targeted because my I didn't uh, mow my lawn in a timely fashion. So I got a You know nasty gram in the mail that says you're gonna get fined if you don't mow your lawn But in between them taking the picture and me getting the notice I had already mowed So I sent a message to them and I said could you please specify both the minimum number of inches and the maximum number of inches So I can make sure I'm always in compliance They responded back never mind. You're okay
1: well, maybe if they would have given you a government-sponsored lawnmower that had the wheels set to the appropriate height and welded in place, you would always be correct.
0: Well, that's a, a really good uh, suggestion. Maybe we can get them to make all government-sponsored everything, and then our government can be so big that there would be no private workers because we need all the workers doing government jobs.
1: Absolutely.
0: Oh, wait, I don't think I want a communist country.
1: No. I'm kind of content with most of what we do, and where we're at. So, I enjoy watching YouTube videos and reading news clips and stuff, as you know. And I happened to watch a gentleman this week that I had no idea who he was, since I'm not from Texas, I'm from California. His name's Chip Roy. He's a representative congressman. And he was at a select committee meeting this week, and I believe it was a chairman, they were talking about the Second Amendment and semi-automatic guns. And the chairman asked him, why would you want to own a semi-automatic gun? And he went through the Second Amendment, the importance of the Second Amendment, what he uses his semi-automatic weapons for, which is hog hunting, deer hunting, bird hunting, and home protection. And in the event of a tyrannical government, the replacement of said government officials with honest tried and trued officials. Well, I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast knows when the Second Amendment was ratified in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. To you?
0: Not off the top of my head.
1: December 15th, 1791. Do you know who it was written by? No. James Madison. And they obviously knew back then it was about your God-given, what is that called, inalienable rights? Inalienable rights and that it doesn't come from the government. It's your responsibility to make sure that if your government gets out of control, you're able to regain control. And the First Amendment and the Second Amendment was their means of getting to this end.
0: Well, what's interesting about the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, the 27th Amendment, most people think it was to constrain the people but it was actually written in such such a fashion to constrain the government. And that is one thing that we seem to not realize or get wrong is who it was meant to constrain or what. Because the government is a, I don't know if you would call the government a who. It is made up of people, but a what. Right. So they were the ones that were supposed to be constrained.
1: Well, and it was, it was built and written as an imperfect document, you know, because at the time... The slave trade was around the world, so inherently, people coming from England it happened. We did terrible things to women as well, uh, but you know, we're pretty smart people, and we got that all shaken out, and we've got most of it pretty straightened out.
0: Right, we still have definite improvement that we can do in different areas, we still need to work on ourselves. I think it's a continual thing. Don't ever, what, rest on your laurels or think you've done, okay, we've done enough, That's, we can coast now. I don't think we can ever truly be in that place of coasting because we are humans, we make mistakes, we, we make wrong turns, we have to be willing to right those wrongs. And uh, I think that we've shown over time that we can right the wrongs or not. if we can't right the wrongs, we can go towards a better future.
1: Right. What made me very proud about watching that segment was the fact that there's, I believe, about 500 members in the House and the Senate. 535.
0: 535
1: and other elected officials and other um, ones that have been appointed. And there was at least one that I saw, and I know of more, that actually believes in the Second Amendment and the Constitution. And he understands, along probably with the other Texas rep, former Navy SEAL Crenshaw, where their place is in this Rubik's Cube and that they're not the end-all, be-all. And there may come a time, and maybe they see that, that this ship is going to correct and right itself.
0: I would say that anyone who looks at the Constitution and thinks that it checks individual rights, let's just go see what rights, let's read more into it, let's study it, see what rights you actually have, see what rights the government doesn't actually have. We can look at other places that have taken away certain rights and see how that could have harmed us and we can see which future we want for ourselves and how to get to a better place I understand gun violence is terrible that you look at what happens in schools and my heart would break into a million pieces and it does when I see that happening in other places if it happened at my kids school I would likely fall apart And I'm not saying that, well, this is what we have to have because we all want gun rights. No, there are things that we can do and steps that we can take to make sure that the right people, which are mentally sound people, are able to own guns. That's their Second Amendment right. There are people that you're going to look at and say, I don't think that person understands what it means to own a gun. Let's look at that. If you don't want to own a gun, don't. If you are scared of guns, okay. That is something that we all have different things we're scared of, nervous about, I get it. But I also believe that we do have the right, not just for hunting, not just for home protection. If you want to walk outside with one, I also believe that you should be able to conceal carry or open carry without worrying about getting a felony.
1: Well, and some of these guys and gals you see that have gone totally bonsai with guns, gone into schools and gyms and places like that. Um, I would like to trace back their history and see if they started out playing these modern warfare type video games.
0: I'm going to say no. I think they're all, I mean, this was happening before video games happened. It has been happening for decades. We hear about more cases now because news is able to travel. 24-hour
1: news cycles. Yeah, that's a big part of it.
0: So I would like to point out, though, that the DOJ has just agreed to pay $88 million to victims and families of the South Carolina church shooting that happened in, I believe it was 2015, because of failings of the appointed officials to complete the background check on the individual who went to purchase the gun and return it in a timely fashion. If they had done that, then this person would not have been allowed to purchase the gun. But it went past their waiting period. I'm not quite sure what South Carolina's waiting period is. It did not catch it. They didn't get it back timely, and so he got a gun that he should not have had. So when we do put things in place, we have to use
1: them. You have to enforce them. And it's just like that movie set that there was just a shooting, and a death, and a severe injury. Now, every one of them are going out of their way to throw each other under the bus instead of stopping and saying, hey, wait a minute. We had a gun here that should not have been able to shoot live rounds. Uh, Apparently, the sheriff's department found up to 500 live rounds there on the movie set. Now, you have the armorer trying to throw one person under the bus, this person trying to throw that person under the bus. How about let's just stop, investigate, and put the blame where it lies? And ultimately, I guess they call the head guy the executive producer?
0: I believe so, yes.
1: It's his movie. He is ultimately, or she, is ultimately responsible. So if something like this happens on that movie site, they need to man up or woman up and say, we made a mistake.
0: And I will say, I don't understand current movie settings or current props. For me, I I understand that it's Hollywood and some things they want to look absolutely realistic. But I don't understand why there is not a replica of specific guns. And then they're basically cap guns. I don't mean put in a bullet that looks like a bullet, put in a blank round. I mean like the old school children used to play six shooter, you know, uh, cap gun. Revolver style. I mean, I'm sure with technology these days we can have different styles. But why we don't have CGI only or cap guns or something to that effect. I I don't understand why any real gun with blanks is being used. I will say that. And I'm a gun person. I'm, I'm a gun person. I think everyone should own one if they want to. But I, I don't understand. For Hollywood, there are so many... They don't kill a real person. I, sorry, I understand this is a shooting and they killed someone. But you don't stab a person for a movie that's a slasher movie. You don't like actually go and stab people so you get blood, guts, and gore. So why are we using real guns Right, even set? the
1: actor Dean Cain was on the news yesterday. And he basically said a lot of those things you just said. Along with the fact that they set the camera angles up so even when they do use a prop gun, the gun is not pointed at the other actor. It's pointed left or right, up or down.
0: And I did hear that they're supposed to have certain zones that they fire into just in case something does go down. In case there's a
1: malfunction or some type of weird misfire with the blank. Because
0: they've had guns misfire before, even with blanks. They've had that happen, so they usually are supposed to be shooting into marked area. So why was... This, yeah, they are going to do the investigations and we will hopefully find out why this happened and Hollywood can make it to where it never happens again. Well, it's just
1: interesting that it was a very low-budget movie. There was a lot of complaints, a lot of people leaving.
0: I heard the union people walked out on it because of safety issues.
1: Yes, yes, and the gentleman that pulled the trigger is a staunch anti-gun advocate.
0: There have been several movie stars that are big anti-gun advocates, but then they make money. They make millions off of their movies. Liam Neeson. Yes, him <laughs> He is a U.S. citizen now, but he was born in Ireland, became a naturalized U.S. citizen, and then goes on this, I don't understand how the U.S. can still be pro-gun, you should get rid of your guns, but he has made millions of dollars off of movies that have guns in them.
1: I do you believe I saw guns and knives in his hands during Taken and Taken 2?
0: So why, why is it if you're an anti-gun advocate, you shouldn't be supporting guns in your movies. And you could say, oh, well, it's just a movie. It's pretend. Why are you even pretending? If you hate it that much, if you think that people are not entitled to, to have guns, you shouldn't be making money off of using them.
1: You shouldn't have prop guns.
0: So I'm not sure if you heard about this Kentucky. There is a Kentucky high school who is doing their homecoming week activities. And the high schoolers gave teachers at the school lap dances in uh, their underwear boys in their underwear and in lingerie type underwear girls underwear girls were wearing hooter outfits high schoolers giving lap dances to a principal and it appears other teachers
1: well it appears to be the culture right now if you look at all the movies that are out and the way we act we not me people act on social media with watching the TikTok videos and some of the other stuff, it's not surprising, actually.
0: That we've made it okay? Well, and the books that they're finding on the shelves of these high schools that are for 13 years old plus, that's provided that somebody doesn't skip a few grades or anything, but 13-year-olds can get sexually charged books, so I guess it's no surprise that they would act out in a manner that's uh, not, in my opinion, okay.
1: Well, they... To them, they think it's normal because that's the norm now. They can do it without recourse.
0: Yep, but uh, parents shouldn't be speaking up and saying that they don't want books or certain actions. Man, those parents, they're the the ones that need to be
1: stopped. They're domestic terrorists and the FBI is going to hunt them down. Same FBI that did the Russia collusion and hid all the other facts about different cases that did not happen.
0: So with what's going on with high schoolers, with or high schools, with the FBI looking into parents as domestic terrorists, with the case that happened in Loudon, Virginia?
1: Yeah, Loudon, Loudon, Virginia, I think.
0: With that, there was a father who was arrested for his outburst at a school, a school board meeting. It's turns out and through the investigation that they had hidden the fact that his daughter was sexually assaulted at school the daughter claimed it it appears that she claimed to administrators that she was sexually assaulted but then uh, the dad shows up and the school says oh well we're gonna handle this in-house he goes berserk and i know we've talked about this before he goes bananas They call the cops, cops show up, and then we've talked about it before, things that transpired. One of the things that the school board members or principal said later was, hey, we started the investigation, we called the cops. So don't say we weren't doing our job, we called the cops. So we started the investigation. So any claims that we didn't do our job are just unfounded. Well, when reporters looked into the call to the police, they called the police solely for an irate parent. They did not call the police because of a rape investigation or sexual assault or anything like that. So they cl- they tried to claim that they actually did call the cops and then it turns out they were they didn't want the irate parent.
1: That's why nobody trusts our leadership anymore.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely don't act on behalf of the people who who truly need it, who truly need help.
1: And all the guy was trying to do is protect his daughter from a rapist.
0: Yeah, and they went after him and got a conviction so quickly. I don't know if he pled guilty. I understand that he could have acted in a manner that would appear to rise to the, the misdemeanor level. I, while I do get that, you also have to understand the circumstances. And they should have dropped the case. They should not have prosecuted this case. Dad finds out that his daughter was raped and the school's saying we're not going to call the cops, and we're going to handle it in-house, I think we're all entitled to go a little bit bananas.
1: Absolutely, because I know for a fact that this dad and grandpa would have handled it in-house.
0: We're definitely not doing what's best for the kids anymore. We're doing what's best for the adults. What makes the school districts look good? What makes the people in the school districts look good? We don't actually care about the children. And when the parents try to support their children and try to show how much they care about the children, they're called domestic terrorists.
1: I would venture to guess that there's school districts out there that do back the parents. They're the ones that have good students and good schools and good teachers and good administrators. You don't hear about them. It's the bad administrators you do hear about. And then you hear about all the stuff that's pushed under the rug because they don't want to have a black eye and get caught.
0: Agreed. So for a minute, I would actually like to talk about executive orders. And this could be at the presidential level or the orders can be at the state level. But I want to talk about them because I remember under President Obama, he was issuing executive orders and people were saying, oh yeah, this is exactly what we need. And I was thinking, you know, Congress is the one who's supposed to make the law. I understand in some cases why they use executive orders, but really, if you want a new law, we need Congress to pass it and the president to sign it. And then... We had Trump as president and he was issuing executive orders and people are like, oh my God, that's terrible. He can't issue an executive order for that. We need to, you know, take him to court and get all these executive orders struck down or do whatever we can. This is horrible, terrible, and awful. Shouldn't be allowed to use executive orders. Then we have another president, President Biden, and he issues the most executive orders in any first month, I believe of any first-term president. Yes,
1: all first-term presidents.
0: And he, he just issues so many executive orders, so he's he's governing by fiat, basically, and not having Congress do their jobs. He's like, oh, well, they can't get along, so I have to do it as president. And now people are back to, it's okay because I like it. I don't understand, even if it's what you like, why you would agree with an executive order and not Hold Congress's feet to the fire to pass laws. Because they they don't have to pass laws if we can just go by executive order. Executive order everything. I I don't understand how people support these executive orders. Well,
1: it's how third world countries run.
0: Yeah, it's more of a dictatorship. And apparently we like a dictatorship as long as it's our party or Uh, our thought process.
1: Right. I was just saying it seems to be that that's one thing the Democrats are good at is they do a better marketing program than the Republicans do. They're able to convince people that it's okay to do the executive orders when they're the ones that are doing it because they're the smartest ones in the room.
0: And it's funny that we talk about like executive orders and then what people can do. Well, the they call themselves the majority because they are 50 plus one in Congress, and they do have the House. Uh, I don't remember how many uh, more they have of the House uh, than Republicans, but they say, "Oh, we're we're the majority." so we can do whatever we want we can force the minority to do whatever we want but if you look at it constitutionally one congress is supposed to pass the laws president can sign the laws and then if there is a imbalance or it doesn't um arrive if it goes against our constitution you can challenge it in court take it to the supreme court if necessary and then we can have a check to that balance right so you have checks and balances but if you look at it And people say, oh, it's okay because I believe in it. And we're the majority, you're the minority, so it's okay, we can do whatever we want. Well, if that is true, what if what the majority wants is something that goes against the Constitution? Are you still okay with it because you say majority rules? We can say, I I want slavery again. Or you could say, I want, you know, I I think we should... um, Kill all firstborns. The majority ruled it. Are are you going to be okay with that? Because the majority said, oh, he put it in executive order. Now, again, I understand that we have a constitution. We have, you know, the Bill of Rights, uh, all 27 amendments. You can look at it and say, oh, well, this goes against this part of the constitution. But when do we solely act by 51% to 49 majority rules and say, we don't care what it is. We'll just do it anyway.
1: Well, it's interesting because there's no triggers that the minority can use to put a stop to it.
0: Right, even when it's unconstitutional, you have to go through this drawn-out process. It's not going to stop in a day, right? Unless you can have a judge who will put a stay on it, as long as you're allowed to file in that court, then they could potentially issue an emergency stay. But the reality is it's going to take a while for it to, to go up through the courts. So why are we looking at it and saying, oh, majority, I'm the majority. I can do whatever I want and make you do whatever I want. We're in charge now.
1: I believe we had a supermajority up in Sacramento there for a while with the Democratic Party.
0: I'm pretty sure. I think it's still there. They have a supermajority and they can pretty much pass whatever they want.
1: Which is what they're doing and our governor is signing. But you go back to that, uh, hey, let's kill our firstborn. I do believe that Communist China had some type of edict like that where...
0: The one-child policy.
1: one-child policy, and they were taking them out because they wanted men, men first.
0: Right, they wanted men over women, so if your firstborn was a woman or girl, baby, sometimes they would just throw them out. Some people would find babies on the side of the road, some would kill them. It just depended on exactly what was going down, but one-child policy did not end until 2013 in China, and so I remember learning that the one-child policy ended. I didn't realize they made a two-child policy. So there, it's still same things, but now they have so many men that they don't have enough women for all of the men.
1: Well, they probably forecasted into the COVID future and saw that it was going to wipe out a bunch of them, so they needed a two-child policy to backfill what was going to die with, from their experiment.
0: Well, it's funny that you say they saw into the COVID future because I believe if you look at the numbers of deaths, men are dying in greater numbers than women.
1: Yeah, we need some real statisticians and experts to really dive into this and see what demographic is dying, what age group, obviously the demographic would be the age group, what kind of maladies they have, um, if this thing was programmed to take out certain ethnicities, or maybe they looked at it from a monetary standpoint, maybe they did all their financials first and said, okay, we need to go after pretty much everybody that's on Social Security worldwide right now. And once we take all them reloaders out that are getting government assistance, then we'll be able to reload our bank account. Oh, like
0: the Chinese, so when you retire in China and you have your your retirement money? Yes. Uh, It will be interesting, and hopefully we can get the real numbers and not these fake numbers that they've been going with.
1: So I wish I was a super investigator, and uh, the online site called FlightAware allowed you to go back a couple years and dive into China's flights out of Wuhan and see when they stopped the flights to the general towns in China and only had the pipeline going over to the uh, garment district in Italy because then we could really see if it came out of Wuhan. That would be just one strike against them. The other one is when they cut off all their communications on the Internet and all the research they were doing just kind of mysteriously disappeared so you could no longer see it.
0: And you had doctors who were in China that would talk about what they were seeing and then they would get uh, disappeared. I don't know if that's the right term, but they would go dark on social media. Nobody's heard from them. And then after a certain period of time when they appear to have gotten reprogrammed, they would come out and talk about how terrible they were for speaking out against China like that. And their words had no value. And clearly China's the right one.
1: Yeah, they probably sent them to North Korea to their re-education camps, because I guess that dictator's really good at reprogramming people.
0: Yeah, he won't just kill you or reprogram you. He'll go after your whole family for generations. Absolutely. Go after the grandparents, the grandchildren, the parents, everybody. You will. Uh, they will lower your worth to the rest of society, so who you can marry changes, how much ration you get changes, where you can live changes, what work type you can do.
1: It just sucks that the entire world is so bound to China because of all the products they steal and reverse engineer, but then they have labor that's dirt cheap, because I'm a big boat guy. And there's several boating companies over in China that build some awesome boats off of their labor but unfortunately if we stop doing 100% business with them we have to bring all of it back to the US and then a $400,000 boat now becomes a 1.5 million dollar boat.
0: Okay so let's talk about that with the cost of doing business. We here in the United States do talk about certain things we want as a society. So there's a federal minimum wage that we have and we say we have a specific wage in mind. And in some cases, it can be what health care you have. If you're a company of a certain size, we want you to provide so much health care. You might have a 401k, whatever. But we do talk about basics that we want people to have. Whether, and I know we've gone to this $15 an hour minimum wage, maybe, where it's at across the United States, people argue, not argue, but they They ask for it. Sometimes they pick it for it or they just sign petitions for it. We say we want X, Y, Z minimum wage. We want X, Y, Z minimum from these companies through healthcare and all of that. And so, okay, we we get those things. And then there's a cost that comes with that. And instead of buying, as you say, a $1.25 or $1.5 million boat here in the United States where they're paying a good wage, where they're providing good benefits and uh, every, you know, maybe good time off for you're having a kid, you get your 12 weeks off, maybe the company will provide it partially paid, different things that we've asked for. But then instead we turn around and buy from a company because it's cheaper in a country that we disagree with. It goes against everything we say we want for our people, but we're still buying because it's cheaper. If we really, wanted that we should not allow any purchases outside of our country that don't meet these minimum standards we've decided we want for our people. So
1: that's a darn good question. So if we go with a one world order whose model do we pick?
0: Oh that's really interesting. So if we do that okay so what's our minimum wage? What's our minimum number of benefits? Or does everybody have to be exactly the same? So we pick a country and we say this is it but what if it's better or worse? if it's better I'm sure people will be okay with it but if it's worse than what you're used to getting are you still okay with it because we're all the same ish one world order
1: and that's why everybody's rushing to move to the U.S. or to sneak up through our borders because they feel that what we have is the best so rather than making a buck fifty an hour in Mexico they can come up to San Diego and make fifteen dollars an hour but then if we pay everybody in the world at that there's not enough money to go around
0: We have so many resources. Those resources are, you know, at such a price and people can do it for different things. Are we okay with shutting down the world? And I don't mean cutting off the world. I mean, you can only have inside your country what you expect. Like, you can't import stuff from places that you don't agree with their policies. I don't care how cheap it is.
1: Doing a total reset on the world. That would be interesting. And maybe that's what the plan was, and I hate to keep going back to COVID. <laughs> I swear I wasn't going to let that or these people in my headspace. It was too much free rent. But maybe that was part of the plan, you know, knocking a bunch of people off and starting to do a reset.
0: Well, they're talking about some of the, the people in China that hold different properties, different companies or items having a hard enough time making their paper.
1: Well, since they're going to do an international tax as well, and a bunch of these top countries have agreed to that is the chinese billionaires included in this international tax
0: probably not we don't actually hold china to account
1: nor do we hold the russian oligarchs to account either
0: yeah we don't we don't hold anyone but ourselves to account and sometimes we hold ourselves to a higher standard and we can't even meet our own expectations like we expect so much that we as individuals could not even meet if we tried to meet it but we are pointing to somebody else Saying, well, you can meet it because you're rich enough, or you're well-known enough, or well-off enough, whatever the case may be. It's always so much easier to point to somebody else and say you.
1: Well, that's why the federal government sets these standards up that they expect the American people to follow, but they can't follow them themselves. Case in point, you look at sexual harassment classes that we have to go through at the company I've worked for. You look up how many sexual harassments there are filed lawsuits against California leaders and other leaders there's absolutely hundreds upon hundreds of them and you look at our company and we're probably less than one percent of what they do
0: it's amazing how well uh, governor cuomo former governor cuomo was apparently known as a sexual harassment king and we look at someone like him and oh well it's okay he was just being loving or or that's just how he expresses himself etc cetera, etc cetera. but if i did it at work I would be out the door.
1: Yes, and I believe I saw something yesterday that they're going to charge him with just misdemeanors.
0: Yeah, he's not really going to be fully held to, to account. To
1: account. So he'll pay a small little ticket, a little fine. He'll go uh, regurgitate himself, so to speak. He'll go remodel, remake himself. And in three or four years, you'll see him pop back up and probably run for office again.
0: Run for something. Run for a higher office or get a book deal, speaking engagements, whatever. Yeah, these
1: narcissists never go away. They just regurgitate themselves.
0: Yeah, it's quite sad that that is how... our our so-called leadership works is we say we have a set of rules but it's only for the peons it's not for for the big guys and we could look back all throughout this year and a half that we've had well yeah year and a half that we've had lockdowns and we see the governor of california go out in groups bigger than we were allowed to go out in at the time it was three households or less wear masks socially distanced and he went to a restaurant with more than three households not socially distancing and then you look at the dc mayor says oh we need to go back into stricter requirements starts it for the day after she's about to go to i believe it was a, a play or a show so she wants to go out on friday night so she on thursday says we're going to start this saturday morning right after you know, But then she turned around and did another engagement in which she should have been wearing a mask and she wasn't and she excused herself from that.
1: Do as I say, not as I do.
0: And they've all been caught. Even, uh, I shouldn't say all. I'm sure there's some that have not been been caught and I'm not saying everybody has to be perfect and sometimes you forget. But if you're the one espousing a certain requirement, if you're the one who's giving a certain requirement, you would think you would know how to follow it versus other people who may have just heard your requirement, didn't get the full thing, didn't understand you know, how it all worked together. But we saw you know, people going on vacations when they told people to stay home, going out of state when they told people not to leave their city, going out of the city when you were supposed to be locked in your house. We've seen people who have gone to restaurants when you're not supposed to go to restaurants or said they were too tired to cook at home didn't have a mash, just quickly ran to get some... We've seen all of these things from our leaders, yet they want to hold us to account.
1: Well, yeah, they closed all the beaches in Southern California, so surfers couldn't even surf when they were 20 feet or more away from each other.
0: Yeah, you couldn't stand up paddle boards, you couldn't get exercise. If we truly cared about people's health, do you think exercise and eating right would have been the first two things that they, they made sure were a priority right after wear a mask, socially distance, and wash
1: your hands. And that's one of the things the CDC did say that we agreed with was make sure you get plenty of exercise.
0: But we shut down the places that you can exercise. And I understand you can say, oh, well, you can do it in your home. There's so many ways for you to do it in your home. Okay, so if you live in a studio or one bedroom apartment, you're on the second floor or above, are you supposed to be skipping rope? What if What if you work during the day and the only time you can do it is at 3 o'clock in the morning when you get home? Should should you be skipping rope in your living room or your studio so your downstairs neighbor has to hear you? Because you're not allowed to do it outside. So many places ban people being outside, not wearing masks, or you had to wear a mask, you couldn't take it off.
1: Or if you're in Australia, they kicked your butt, tackled you down to the ground because you were out in the open, not in your apartment. Smoking a cigarette and, and walking, walking your, your dog, dog with three masks in your pocket.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the audacity that you took a yeah. drink from a soda pop or you smoked a, took a drag from a, a cigarette, you were the one with the problem.
1: San Francisco and Los Angeles has a very large homeless population. When everybody was on lockdown, did anybody look at videos of the streets to see if they locked down all the homeless too?
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with no. They did not lock down the homeless, Um, and I don't know what medical issues any of them face.
1: Right, so did we test them? So were they in groups of multiple families or multiple homeless to where they were not social distancing? Did we do anything as far as policing rules for them that we did for everybody else?
0: So I'm not sure (laughs) under the did we do anything, but we did see that San Francisco started housing them in hotels to give them a clean place to stay. So uh, San Francisco started contracting with motels because they weren't making any money when nobody could travel. So they they were trying to get contracts with these motels. And I believe they started having problems of the homeless people destroying the property. So some people regretted their decision to open their motels to the government to house the homeless population. Not because they didn't want to not house them they wanted to house them but because their mental health issues were not being addressed
1: that was it in a nutshell that's what i was going to say their mental health issues which should have been addressed along with the free space they were staying in
0: yeah we don't address the whole person and so that's something we're seeing too when people get arrested or in this case now they're not getting arrested for committing crimes but when people were getting arrested for certain crimes they would get they would get let out on no bail And they said, right now we're going to remove the bail on a whole bunch of uh, crimes because we're in a pandemic and people can't afford it. So they were arresting people and almost immediately turning around, they would process them, take their fingerprints, take their snapshot, get their information, and then they would get let go. They didn't have to post bail. So we allowed people out that may have mental health issues, but it was just a whole lot easier just to let them go instead of addressing... They're the full person. The
1: full person of the actual issue. That's crazy. Ha, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) So what is today? TPT?
0: Throat Punch Thursday.
1: Throat Punch Thursday. And there's a saying going around the world as I close out, let's go Brandon.
0: Let's go Brandon. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and on Podbean, Dirt Sailor Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram under Dirt Sailor Podcast.
1: And if you have any suggestions of topics you'd like us to talk about, by all means, please send us a little note.
0: This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, Anchors Away.